Hilchus Nachalus, Laws of Inheritance, Perak Hamishi, Chapter 5, Halacha Aleph. So we're continuing the topic of inheritance and establishing who is a legitimate heir to the, uh, to, you know, to the, uh, to the, to the state. All right, Halacha Aleph. To the legitimate heir to what? The estate, to the property. Oh, okay. Here's the principle when it comes to inheritance. Whenever you have a situation that one of the people is definitely an, an heir, he's certainly somebody who deserves to inherit at least part of the estate, the other person, or persons, are doubtful. Maybe they are an heir, maybe not. In the Suffolk, the doubtful person gets nothing. So the person who's certainly an heir, let's say a child, he's definitely a child, he definitely has a right to inherit. Now, how much does he inherit? We didn't divide it yet. But theoretically, he could inherit any part of this estate. The person who may or may not be the person's child who's saying I might be, he's somebody who's trying to essentially take that part away from the other person. And he's a doubtful person. He doesn't have that authority. If, let's say, for example, they were both a doubt, we don't know who is the rightful heir. It was only one of them, maybe neither of them. Shemazer, well, Ram says actually, Shemazer, Yerush, Shemazer, Yerush. One of them is the rightful heir. The question is, which one? Chalak Meshava, in that scenario, they divided 50-50. The Fichach is a practical example. Someone who passes away, he leaves two children behind, a son, and a second child whose gender is undetermined because he has a physical situation where the, gen- the genitalia is covered, or that's called a tumtum, or andragonus, which means he has both, both, uh, Sex. exactly, both sexes. Now, the tumtum, that individual is either a male or a female. We just don't know because the genitalia is covered by a growth. Now, you could have two people who are a tumtum, one's a male, one's a female. Androgynous. androgynous. Right, that's the fancy English world, yeah. yeah. The androgynous, however, all androgynouses in the world are either all male or all female. The question is, which one is it? We don't have a halachic determination. In any event, we have one child who's for sure a male, the second child who may, may, may be a male, may be a female. Now, let's remember, when the person passes away and he has sons and daughters, who inherits him? Only the sons, correct? Yeah. The son gets everything. The son certainly deserves to inherit part of his father's estate. Yeah. Now, the question is, does the other child get some? If she's a female, the answer is no. If she's a male, the answer is yes. She's doubtful. Therefore, she doesn't have a right to extract anything from the other child. So the son gets everything. And the Tumtum and the, and the gets nothing. Females don't inherit? Correct. Oh, yeah. That was a chapter maybe we didn't learn together. Yeah, they don't inherit. What if she leaves behind a daughter or daughters, and again, the other person who's, whose sex is not determined. Yerushavishav, in that case, divided evenly. He's, certainly, he's like one of the daughters. In other words, this person whose gender is not determined, he's at least a daughter, maybe he's a son. So he gets something. So if it's a daughter plus this type of individual, they split it in half. If he's a son, he deserves everything. He can't prove it though, and therefore, they get divided evenly. Base. If he's an androgynous, he, he gets half also? Yeah, same thing. He's, he's undetermined if he's male or female. Yeah. But if it was a son and an androgynous, he wouldn't get anything. Okay. Base. We already explained the laws of marriage. How it works when a person passes away, how you divide the state among the children with the sons and the daughters in terms of how you support them and how you provide for them. And we explained that there's an obligation that until the daughter's as long as they're children, until they reach adulthood, they get their food, clothing, and their medical expenses and other needs from the father's estate. We explain this obligation to feed the daughters of the, the wife. 
or a condition that's that's written in, in the, in the ksuba, right? Um, the word panasasan actually that refers to a dowry. That's the idea that the girls are entitled for sustenance, but also a certain amount of money allotted for them that they should oh. be marriageable material. Now, when the estate is large and the guy was wealthy, let's say, and there's enough to so there's there's enough to to to, give, to support the daughters and there's enough to give the sons an inheritance. Ain't the bonus element is saying all the daughters get is the uh, the means set aside to support them to provide for them till they reach adulthood. Excuse me, ain't the bonus element that's all the daughters get. The sons get the rest of it. And besides for the providing them, they also get a tenth of the estate. So each, each daughter gets a tenth of the estate, whatever's remaining after the daughter before. So every time one of them gets married, she gets a tenth of the estate to provide, to bring it with, into, with her into the marriage. And then the next person gets married after that also gets a tenth. Now that tenth is smaller than the first tenth, obviously. Okay. Right, 10% gets smaller as you keep cutting away at it. But that's part of the ob- obligations that the, the state has to these girls. That's all of this. The guy was wealthy. And there's enough for all of this. If there's not so much money, then the sons get nothing. Everything is set aside to support the daughters and... Uh, and um, uh, and, and, the, and the sons get nothing. All right. Um, well, the, the, the basically that's, that much, that that amount is set aside to support the daughters, and if there's anything left, the sons get it. All right. So in the previous case, when we say that a, the estate is very large, what we mean is that there's enough to provide the sons and daughters until the daughters reach the age of majority, and then after that they'll split it, and the sons will inherit. Right. That's called the estate, which is a large amount. But if that's not sufficient, if we make a cheshmer, how much is it going to take to support the daughters until they reach adulthood? At that point, there won't be anything, le- anything left for the sons. That's fine. That's, 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 call- that's, uh, that's called the, the nechassim is, is, is minimal. Why so does the-, the daughter get married before she gets majority? I don't remember. Good question. If someone passes away and he left behind sons, daughters, and one child, let's say, or children, whose gender is undetermined. Now, remember, there's an advantage of being a son, there's an advantage of being a daughter, because the daughters are always guaranteed to be provided for till they reach majority. But they don't inherit anything besides that. Mm-hmm. The sons may inherit something, may not. Uh-huh. So, where do you want to be, a boy or a girl? So, if there's a lot of, a, a lot of property, and the sons are going to get an inheritance besides the daughters being supported, the sons get an inheritance. And they take this person whose gender is not determined. Hey, you're not one of us. Maybe you're a girl. When he's in a commission, you get the girls get. We give you, we'll provide for you until you become an adult. When there's a small amount of the state, the state is very small. In which case, the girls get their sustenance, but the boys get nothing. These girls say to this person whose gender is not determined, you're not one of us. Maybe you're a boy. You don't get provided for. You don't get. Provided for till adulthood. And they tell him, You don't get provided. You are like the sons who are not going to inherit anything. So he has the worst of both sides. The point is, is that, again, since the burden of proof is upon him to prove whatever, whichever way he is, that those who have the upper hand can say that you're not, you're not one of us and therefore you, you deserve the lower, uh, you know, lower end of the stick. All right. 
Gimel. Well, he really can't. The point is that because he can't prove, we put him whatever. He, the, the, those who are the sons have the right to say that the son. If the situation where the sons have the advantage, the sons have the right to say you don't have proof. You're one of us. Prove you're one of us, which you can't do. Otherwise, you know, which, and therefore you're not going to give you. And when the girls have the advantage, they could say prove you're one of us, which you can't do. So therefore, they're not going to give him. Mm-hmm. Now, let's remember when uh, back then, in terms of the times of the Rambam, there was no genetic testing. Right? So yeah. if a woman, for example, gave birth to a child, there could be a doubt who's, who the father was. Right? And there's no way of proving it with certainty. <laughs> a woman who gets divorced or widowed from her husband, the Allah is she's supposed to wait three months until she gets remarried. Mm-hmm. There's a very simple reason. Because back then, if she gets remarried the next week and she gives birth nine months later, who's the father? So today you can use ways of determining, but back then there wasn't. Therefore, what do you do? You wait three months. It takes three months for her to begin to show. Once three months passes, now we can determine if, she, if, if she's pregnant or not. If she is pregnant, the husband is obviously the deceased ex or the ex-husband. If she's not, then the baby who comes later on will be the, the second husband. Now, this woman didn't do that. She got widowed or divorced and got married the next week. The older band, she gives birth to a child. Well, let's say she waited a month. Okay, she waited a month. Uh, sorry, two months. She waited two, she waited two months. She was waited three. She waited two months. The other day she gave birth. She gave birth seven months after getting remarried. Nine months after she was divorced from her previous husband. This child who, give, who she gives birth to, who's viable and healthy, we don't know. Is it a seventh month pregnancy from the second husband or nine month pregnancy from the first husband? The Rambam chooses these numbers because in the times of the Rambam, an eighth month pregnancy was not a viable baby. A baby born at eight months wouldn't survive. Uh-huh. A seven month would, would that would work because the baby is considered to be you know quickly accelerated in the process you know the the oven was working really well and he'd survive nine months of course is, as well is fine eight months however is not an option eight months means that it's a nine month pregnancy that was that was premature those babies wouldn't make it now this situation the baby baby was born healthy who's the father husband A or husband B we don't know this child who who we don't know who the father is has no rights to inherit either father. Because he's a doubt. Therefore, when either of these people passes away, the, the heirs, if he has other children, brothers, a father, whatever the situation is, they'll say, no, no, you're the son of the other guy. And the other person, you're the son of the other guy, so he has no way to prove. So he has no claim. That's correct. He cannot claim anything. Correct. Unless, unless both, if both fathers were Gerim, who had no other kids besides him, that would complicate things. But let's, let's not go there. The amazing thing, if it's, if it's the opposite, right? This kid grows up, he's a multimillionaire, and he passes away with no kids. Now, and his parents are still, his parents are still alive. Remember, when a person passes away with no children, who is the first in line to inherit if a person has no kids? His father. So the child passes away, who inherits him? Each one claiming, I'm the father. Shnei and Mirashim say, both inherit him, v'chot and they divided evenly. They're both doubtful. Shem is the of, is the of. We don't know who the father is. It's either him or him. No way to prove it. And therefore, we divide it in half. They split the assets evenly. Who, who, who splits the assets? The two fathers, if they're oh, both still alive. Okay. Or, or they're... Or when, they're or, the, when the son dies. Right. Or they're, if, they're, if the father's passed away, then their brothers or their kids, whatever it is, the point is that the two, is, the two families split it evenly. Dalit. Okay. Let's remember, when a woman, God forbid, passes... A, if a husband passes away childless... There's a mitzvah for his wife to marry the brother. It's called Yibum. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't want to, there's a mitzvah to take off the shoe called Chalitza. Now, obviously over there as well, before we let her go ahead... Oh, she takes the shoe off who? Off the brother who doesn't want to marry okay. her. It's called Chalitza. That, 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 that releases her to then go marry whoever she pleases. Okay. Now, let's remember, um, even though it's a, that, that's an exception, that's a mitzvah for her to marry her deceased, brother's husband, her deceased husband's brother. Yeah. 
But in normal circumstances, marrying the husband's brother is forbidden. That's actually a, 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 a very strict prohibition. Yeah. Child of a union like that is a mamzer. That's not allowed. So either it's a mitzvah or it's really forbidden. One of the two. So, so of course, also when the brother passes away, she has to wait three months. Because in order to determine that he died childless, we have to know she's not pregnant. Uh-huh. So it takes three months to determine that when you don't have blood tests, right? Or, you know, or, or sonograms. The, the, the widow who was widowed from her husband who died childless, who did not wait the appropriate three months, she immediately married her deceased brother's, uh, deceased husband's brother. She was certain that she was not pregnant, for example, and for some reason. Or she didn't know. The Yold and then seventh months, and then sometime later she has a child. Who is the father of this baby? The deceased person? Or the new one. The new, the new one, right? Now, if it's a deceased person, by the way, then he didn't die childless. She's not allowed to marry the brother, by the way, just, just parenthetically, right? If it's, it's, it, it's, it, yeah, this is the child of the, of the new husband, then the Yibam was a mitzvah. The marriage is a mitzvah. The child is legitimate. And he's the child of the, the second husband. Zayasaf Gamer now. This, oh, oh sorry, sorry, something else I forgot to say. The halacha is, is that the brother who marries the widow, he gets all of his brother's property. He inherits his brother. Normally, the father inherits, correct? Yeah. But the brother who marries, marries the widow, the halacha is, even if the father's alive, he actually inherits, not the father. Now, the child grows up and he learns, he learns some, some halacha about inheritance. He says to this... But he didn't do yibum. They did. They did yibum. They got married. That's, they got married. Yeah, that's why we're not sure who the father is. Yibum means that she marries the deceased brother. The brother's... The deceased, the deceased person's brother. The, the doubt for this kid who grows up says, or at least you know, theoretically speaking, if he's a baby, whatever, he says to the... Uh, uh, he, he, he declares, Shema ben ha-meisani. Perhaps I insist that I am the, the child of the brother who passed away, the first husband, and therefore I'm the one who deserves to inherit his property. Not the brother who married the widow. That marriage shouldn't have happened. You're not fit to marry her. My mother is not someone who should perform even. My father didn't die childless. I'm his child. I get his estate, not you, he says to this, this uncle, this, this, this husband of the widow. But the, the, the husband of the widow says, Shem No, maybe you're my child. The imcha and therefore your father, your, your father, or the other person, did die childless. You're my son. It was an appropriate marriage. You don't deserve anything to inherit this person who passed away. I'm the heir. So, so, and then, and then, so, so right now, this you know million dollar house that belonged to the deceased brother, who's who's supposed to get it? The brother who married the widow. Or this baby who claims he's the father of that person, right? That's the that's the, that's the uh, argument. Now, obviously, neither of them can prove anything because there's no genetic testing back None then. Of them can but the point is that each one says maybe it's all mine. So what do we do? But nowadays you can you know. You so how the, the halacha how it how it how is halacha is 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 it impacted by genetic testing is a conversation that's way beyond the scope of this year, and it's not something I'm qualified to explain. But let's 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 do that. At that let's go but, back. Let's, let's, but, but there there is a, a I, settlement. I, I don't know the, the details of that. Let's let's say the Ramam's mentality, right? Okay. Pre-technology. Since this Yavim, this 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 person who married the widow, he's a doubtful heir. Shema Yavim who any Yavim. Is he fit to marry this woman and inherit his brother's estate or not? He's a doubtful thing. 
and they're both doubtful. Either the son deserves, this baby is the rightful heir, he gets everything, or the brother is the rightful heir, and he gets everything. So they're equal, they're, each one has no more of a legitimate claim than the other. Chalkim B'Shev, they divide evenly. I'm sorry? They divide. Right. Similarly, this doubtful child with, you know, this, this brother who remarried the widow, he, let's say he has children. He has, he has children from previous marriage, right? or, he married, or, or he has a wife already, now he's taking a second wife, for example, which you could do back then, obviously, right? So now, this, this, uh, this brother who married the widow passed away. Who gets his property? Right? So, they, they divide evenly. He gets half, he gets half. So, so, what's going on over here again? Let's not forget, right? Um, so, so, this guy who married the widow, he passes away, and he has property. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, but nichtsia mees. But again, the chain is the same thing applies with this baby who we're not sure who the father is. In Bnayavim with the other brothers slash cousins, we're not sure, right? This guy who married the widow, he has kids. regarding the property of the brother who passed away, who then married the widow. So just like we said, they divided, he, he divides it evenly with this, this person who married the widow. If this guy passes away and he has kids, and who gets, who gets the mansion now? Right? Uh, the son of the brother or the previous sons? Right. The son, well, the, the son who's doubtful who his father is, or the sons who we know, let's say we have five sons, for example, of this guy who married this widow, had five sons before. So each one's saying, it's, this, the kid's saying, it's all mine. They're saying it's all ours. They divide it in half. This one individual gets half, and all those brothers get the other half and divide it among themselves. All right. Um, oh, so actually, the situation I just described where this guy who married the widow passed away, that's actually. And so. so um, yeah, fine, good, okay, no, so everything's good. After they divide the estate in the way we just described, uh, this, this uh, guy who married the, uh, married the widow passed away, right? The previous case, um, he hadn't yet passed away. Or he, sorry, he passed, the previous case, in the previous case, they divide everything up after he passed away. Here, here the, they were ready, ready to divide it. Oh yeah, so, so here, it's, okay good. So now we said, we said a moment ago that when they have this argument of who gets the deceased brother's property, the uncle and this baby mm-hmm. divided in half each, correct? Mm-hmm. After that, then, then eventually this, this person who married the widow passes away. And the child of this guy who married the widow, the children come and they want their property and uh, they want to inherit their father. This guy who we're not sure who the father is, theoretically you would think has the right to say, listen, there's two ways to look at this. If I'm your brother, so I'm the child of the second husband who married the widow, I deserve a portion of this inheritance of your father. Let's say there's two bro- children who we know for sure are the sons of this guy who married the widow, and this baby who, who we're not sure. 
She says, listen, if I am one of you, then I deserve a third, for example, if there's three of them, yeah? You say, no, no, I'm not one of you. I'm an outsider. I'm the son of the deceased. In that case, the entire 50% that your father took from me years ago when we had this fight, that should go back to me. You can't pull the rope on both ends. We paskin, in fact, we rule that this guy has no entitlement to the inheritance of the of the guy who the, the, of the, the the father. In other words, the person who married the widow, he passed the, away. The brother. The We don't take it out of their hands, right? Because once we we rule as we do, that we split it in half, the case has been closed. If he now is trying to take that half back away from these 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 heirs. He's essentially trying to extract, and the burden of proof is upon him. He doesn't have proof. So once we rule as we do, we leave it as is. Even though logically, theoretically speaking, it's a contradiction of logic based on what we ruled earlier. But once you rule that way, once you, once you divide it as such, that's considered in their possession, so to speak. Now you want to retract the ruling. You have to have a proof, right? Okay. Um, so therefore, so therefore, therefore, he wants he, he he obviously would like the option of saying that original half that I divide with your father from my from my the, the deceased estate, give me that half back. We say no. It's already there. You, you can't prove that you're the son of the first person. Maybe you're the son of the second person. So you cannot extract that half away. Fine. You know what? In that case, I'm warning you. Give me a third. No, you don't have proof you're one of them. Maybe you're the son of the first person. Well, in that case, give me the half back. No, you don't have proof of that either. Therefore, he gets, he gets nothing over here. Hey, You have this situation with this doubtful baby and the uncle who are coming to divide the father's property. Okay, in other words, remember the, we have the brother who passed away mm-hmm. and the brother who remarried his widow. Mm-hmm. Those two brothers, they have a father who's still alive. Okay, so now that father, that, who the grandfather passes away. So who inherits him? His children. And if one of his kids is no longer alive, their children get that portion. So this guy, so the father passes away, and now they're coming to divide the estate. The, the son says that I am, the, 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 the uncle who married the widow says, I am definitely an heir entitled to part of this. And the, 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 the baby, the guy who's not sure whose father is, says, If I'm the son of the person who passed away, the brother who passed away, then we, get, we, we deserve half, each. If he's the son, however, of this guy who married the widow, Ain Lakumi gets nothing, because grandkids don't inherit if their father's still alive. So how do we look at it? Is he the son of the deceased and gets half of the estate? Is he the son of the uncle who's still alive and therefore gets nothing? And the answer is, is that therefore we have a, a certain heir, we have a doubtful heir, and we, the principle we start the parak office is that you give it to the certain heir and the doubtful gets nothing, right? So Ain Lakumi gets nothing, the Yavan, the uncle who married the widow, gets everything, and the one who's not sure who his father is has no proof he's entitled to anything and therefore gets nothing. What if the Yavam has two sons? He, two sons who we know are his sons. And he passes away afterwards. The doubtful child says, I am the child of the um, grandfather. Right. Uh, yes, thank you. So, so, um, no, I need a mess. I'm the son of the brother who passed away, the one who left the wife a widow. And therefore, I get half of the estate, and you two get half to divide. Right? Because as the son, 
So, so, um, so over here the case is, oh, here the case is where, where the uncle who married the widow also passed away in his father's lifetime. This poor guy lost two kids in his lifetime. Then the grandfather passed away. Now, how do we divide the grandfather's estate among these three grandkids? So that one son who's not sure his father is, says, I am the son of the brother who passed away first. Therefore, I get his entire half. You two are the sons of the brother who passed away now. We know that. Then you, get, you guys get half and you split it among yourself. So I get 50% and you get 25% each. And the two guys say, no, you're our brother from the second, uh, you're our brother, you're from the second uh, relationship. You're the son of the, of the one who married the widow. We all divide it evenly, a third each. He said, I want half. And they say, no, right? So what do you do? So everyone agrees, let's not forget, he agree, he, he's insisting I deserve half. They're saying you only get a third. The half that he's saying they deserve, they get. 50, uh, 25% each. And they're saying to him, you don't deserve a, thir- a half, you only deserve a third. He gets it. So therefore, they have, a, so each of these two guys has a quarter. He has a third. How much is remaining? A sixth. And this, the sixth they're fighting over, that they divide. So he gets half of the six, he gets half of the six. If you want to do the technical math, the, basically what's going to come out is that is that the, the, the son who's not sure gets 10 24ths of the estate and each of the other brothers gets 7 24ths of the estate. So you basically, you know, you, uh, right, divide the state, state in 24 parts. These 24 parts, one half, which is 12 parts, goes to those two. They divide it six each. One third which is eight parts goes to this person who's doubtful, right? Six plus, uh, 12 plus eight is 20. And the other four, four 24ths, they split. He takes two and they take two and split that. So they get seven 12ths each and he gets 10 12ths each. All right, Mesa Suffolk. Now this kid who's not sure his father's passes away. The, the, and the, the uncle who married the widow is still alive in this case. And he says, That was my son. I inherit him. But the grandfather is still alive. says, no. He was the son of the brother who passed away. I inherit him. Right? Because if he's the son of the first brother who passed away, if the son of the brother passed away first, he will, the, the grandfather inherits him. So who divides? They divide evenly. Same thing. If the oven passes away, the person who married the widow, the doubtful son says, I'm the son and I inherit him. The father, the grandfather says, No, you're not the son of the guy who passed away. You're the son of the other brother who passed away earlier. This is the brother of your father who passed away. I'm going to inherit him. I'm his father. Divide the same principle. When you, have a, when, you have, when you have no way of proving who's the rightful heir, divide everything evenly. Well, let's, let's go. A person who, a house collapsed on him and his wife, or they died in a plane crash, let's say, right? Now, let's remember, the second a person passes away, that moment, the heirs inherit. The transfer of property happens automatically. You don't need to do a Kenyan. So, if one person passes away, a second later, the next person passes away. That's, that's relevant. Who passed away first? So, a person, a house fell upon a man and his wife. Here it says that the woman died first. One second. A house collapsed on a man with his wife. 
We don't know if the woman died first. If the woman died first, at that second, who inherits a woman when she passes away? Her husband. The second later the husband passed away, who inherits the, 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 the property he inherited from his wife a moment earlier? His heirs. Alternatively, maybe the husband passed away first. If the husband passed away first, the woman was left a widow for one moment, then she passed away, then the husband doesn't inherit his wife and his heirs don't get her property. The, the wife's family inherits her mansion. Right? It's very important to know who passed away first. So again, if a man passes away and his wife is a widow, so there are certain rights she gets from the Ksuba, but her property is hers, not the husband's. He passed away already. When she passes away, who gets her property? Her heirs. That could be the children they share equally, even equally or it could be her own children if, he, if they have no kids together or her family. But if she passed away first, who inherits her property? The husband. When he passes away, who gets that property that was originally the woman's? Here. His heirs. Ah. Right? So it's important to know who passed away first. We don't know. They both died in the same plane crash. Who died a second earlier, who died a second later. We have no idea. Or a car accident, whatever. Yeah? So we don't know. So if, if the woman passes away first? The husband inherits her property. Okay. It's his. Then he passes away. It goes on to his heirs. But if he passes away first and then she passes away afterwards, that property goes to her family. They're her heirs. To the, uh, to the, to the woman. She, no, she passed away. She has a property for herself. Mm. When she's left the widow and then she passes away as a widow, mm. that property goes to her heirs, her family, her brothers, let's say. Mm-hmm. Not to the husband's family. Okay. So who passed away first is very relevant. Right? Who gets this woman's mansion? Mm-hmm. Okay, then what do you do? We don't know who passed away first over here. Right? If you, you know, if, they, if there's no hospital, you know who passed away first. But uh, here, it all happened, you know, uh, in, 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 in an avalanche. So what do you do? The property that the woman brings, which is the property the woman brings to the marriage, which belongs to the woman, and the husband has the rights to use it. That's considered in the woman's domain. She's considered the, the person who has the uh, uh, has it. The burden of proof is on someone else to take it away from her. They can't prove it. Therefore, the, the heirs get that. The money that she's entitled to the, the ksuba. Ikovitasef is the basic amount that he's obligated to pay or anything he voluntarily adds to it, 200 juz usually, plus whatever you choose to add. That's something that the husband's heirs uh, are, not, are not forced to pay. They're considered to be in possession of that. Which is the property the woman brings into the marriage. That husband has the rights to use, but the rights are guaranteed to the woman in equivalency, so she doesn't get that back, but he's, he has to give back whatever it's, whatever it's valued at uh, um, at that moment of marriage. Whenever the, whenever the marriage terminates, whether the property went up or down, that's considered like both of theirs. Therefore, the husband's heirs, the woman's heirs divide that evenly. If, however, the house collapsed on a person and his mother. And the case over here, mind you, is where the woman is widowed or divorced. She's not married. She's divorced, right? And, and he's, he's by his mother because that was a custody agreement. And then they die in, in the house collapse. What do you do? The property of the mother is left by the in, in, in presumed, presumed possession of the, of the woman's heirs. Shem because there certainly are heirs. ben, the son's heirs, right? So, the, for example, the son has half-brothers from his father for the new, new marriage. They're that brother's heirs. They're saying, oh, wow, maybe the son passed away after his mother and he inherited all her property. Now it's ours. Self became their doubt. We don't know. Shem Yosha ben if the son passed away first, his, his half brothers to his father are entitled to nothing. Therefore, they are uh, to simplify things. Basically, the point is, is that if the woman had another son, so 
um, he definitely isn't his mother's estate. The, 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 other, the other brothers that this guy has to his father are doubtful heirs, and therefore they're not entitled to anything. A house collapses on a person, his grandchild. He has, a, he has a, his daughter, has a son. So the grandfather and the grandson, his daughter's son, are in a house, and they die together at the same time. Of if the father passed away first, Ben beat the Yerushan, what would happen is, is that that grandchild would inherit him. And then afterwards, who gets the property? These son's heirs. Let's say his brothers, for example. Or his father. If Let's say, for example, the, 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 the daughter is divorced from her husband. If, however, um, the daughter's son. If the father died, the grandfather died first, then the child and the grandchild inherits, now the property goes to the heirs of this grandson. If the grandchild died first and then the grandfather died afterwards, in that case, the son does not inherit the grandfather's property through his mother because he's already passed away. You don't inherit as a dead person and pass it on to your heirs. That's not how it works. You have to be alive. Which in which case the chasim you would insist they belong to the heirs of the, of the grandfather. That's not the case. The, the, the heirs of the grandfather with the heirs of the grandson divided evenly because we don't know whose is whose. Similarly, if the father was held captive and his grandson died in somewhere else in a different country, or the grandson was held captive and the grandfather died in somewhere else in a different country. They had divided evenly because again the point is the same. We don't know who passed away first. If the house collapsed upon the father and any other heirs, and he owed money for a ksuba, he owed money to a debt. The father's heirs say, the son died, nothing is left, and the debt is lost. There's no assets to pay it back. He died penniless. The people who want their money say, who lent the money of Meshachil, the father passed away first. The son inherited that. We have the right to collect our debt from the estate. The property is, is, is in debt of assumption of the heirs. The, the, the creditors have to prove their, their point, their claim. They have to leave with nothing. Last halacha test. The point is that all these cases, we don't know who died first, and it's all the same, the scenario is just a technicality.